Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Today with me, I have Scott Ford from Corgi Bytes. Um, and uh, let's get right into it, actually. Uh, Scott, can you give us an intro on who is Scott Ford and what is Corgi Bytes? Yeah, so uh, I'm co-founder and chief code whisperer or CTO at Corgi Bytes. And uh, the mission of Corgi Bytes is to help companies modernize and improve custom software systems that they're stewards of. Uh, we don't build new applications from scratch. We just make improvements to ones that already exist. Uh, and we love doing that, which is rare amongst software developers. Most software developers would much rather have a clean slate to work with than a than a potential mess that's been handed to them. Uh, yeah, but 100%. I mean, I yeah. can tell you as a former <laughs> developer myself, and I still kind of dabble. Um, what a... Like, it's very interesting that that's the, that's the mission you guys have chosen because that's... Yeah. I mean, I, I can see how successful that could be because that seems like a pain in the butt for me, even as a developer who builds something. I'm a builder. Yeah. I do not like maintaining crap. In fact, that's the bane of my existence. So you're like a <laughs> godsend. <laughs> I yeah, would imagine. We, we, uh, we describe software developers as kind of existing along a continuum where one end is a maker and the other end is a mender. And our experience through really informal surveys by asking for shows of hands at multiple conferences we've spoken at over the years is most developers are clustered on the maker end, uh, probably around 90%, 80 to 90%. Like usually when we ask for a show of hands of, you know, we'll ask the question, you know, amongst the software developers, we'll get a show of hands for software developers so we can have sense of what the baseline is. And then, you know, who amongst you enjoy working on a project that you inherited from someone else? And it's usually five to 10%. If that, sometimes it's zero. And, but those hands are enthusiastic, which is, I think is, I think it's fascinating, you know, because the, the, the people who, uh, who realize is like, oh, that's me. I'm not the only weirdo out there. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, trying to create a, a voice uh, in a community around, you know, that ideal of there are people out there who do like to take things and refine them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's true about things in our built world, right? There are people who enjoy remodeling more than they enjoy building new building. structures. And, uh, wow. so yeah, so trying to, you know, create a community around that. So we have our podcast legacy code rocks, uh, and an online community that's, that's kind of built around the, the, the podcast. And then we have a, uh, virtual conference that we've run four years in a row now called MenderCon. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So, so do you have like in that sense, cause you, you have your following and all of that. I, I can imagine how, I mean, I have so many questions. Uh, so <laughs> how, how did you actually let's start, let's start at the beginning. Like, so you were a developer, I, 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 I LinkedIn stalked you, you're a developer yeah. for quite some time. And then you started Corgi Bytes. Like, what was that? 
what was that threshold? How did that, how did that come to be where you were like, all right, you know what, I'm just going to go out on my own or I'm going to do something on my own. Can you kind of. Yeah. The desire to go out on my own was largely built around the recognition that I wasn't really happy anywhere that I was at. I kept, I kept job hopping. So if you like, if you dig deep into my, my LinkedIn resume history, you'll see like eight months, nine months, Mm -hmm. you know, 13 months, you know, eight months, six months. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I just kept jumping and and sometimes I would go back to places I'd been before. So there are like three companies in my, in my resume that I worked for twice, uh, which like, who, who, who does that? Uh, (laughs) that's true. I guess, I guess I was, I, I, I didn't burn any bridges, which was great. Uh, but you know, I, I tried some product development companies thinking that maybe, maybe it was, you know, contracting and consulting that I wasn't enjoying. Um, that wasn't quite it. I tried some, uh, and and so it was like, you know, I tried working for small companies. I tried working for big companies. I was trying to figure out like why I wasn't satisfied anywhere. And so I thought maybe I just need to work for myself. I need to be my own boss. Um, so ventured out on my own and, um, uh, found a co-founder. So, uh, uh, Andre Goulet, who, who came on, uh, as my, as my co-founder about a, about six months to a year after like establishing an illegal, illegal entity, but mm-hmm. no revenue, no customers, no products, no real idea of what I was doing. I just like, I don't want to work for anybody else. Yeah. And Andre was like really intuitive and, and really uh, insightful and said like, you know, oh, with your skills, like here, are like 15 things you could go try to do. And then along the way, you can learn what it is you really want to be doing. Um, so she and I, like our first business model for Corgi Bytes was, um, she had a copywriting background and I had the software development background. And so we were like, well, we'll build, we'll build small websites and apps for uh, by partnering with designers and allow independent designers to chase larger projects that they might not be able to chase on their own. Uh, and that was successful for like a handful of clients, but you know, didn't really grow beyond that. And uh, kind of noticed I wasn't having that satisfaction again. Like, like here I am out on my own, and I'm not, I'm still not enjoying the work. Um, Interesting. So, so we were. Uh, and, you know, around that time, we had to kind of put the business in, in simmer mode and both got full-time jobs. Um, we got married somewhere in there as well. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that seemed to work out at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, marrying your business partner, uh, you know, luckily when it's just two of us, HR doesn't have to get involved. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and so we were watching TV one day and uh, it was an episode of this old house and I had never really watched this old house before. And, and for listeners who aren't familiar, it's a, it's a show about remodeling old houses. Uh, most of them in Boston. Yeah. And I was looking at it and I had like, I had owned an old house, uh, ages ago and I had done a lot of remodeling work in it. Uh, and I was watching the show and it really struck me as different than, similar programs I'd seen on other networks where the focus was very much like going in and being disparaging about the people who worked on the structure before and like what idiot did this and ripping everything out and kind of building things new from scratch and like cutting corners and taking a hurry and trying to do it as cheap as possible. Right. Just, just to flip the structure, like, you know, and it just seemed like 
it seemed like everything I didn't like about software development and in the way like some software projects were approached was like showing up on those other networks. But then when I watched this old house, it's like, they're going in with a lot of respect Yeah, and they're saying that like, okay, so the person who worked on this house before likely didn't know better. Right. So, so they like, they didn't say, yeah, benefit of the doubt, like, okay. Like they recognition that they'd done their best and then like, we're going to make this right. I love that. And, and, and so it was like this honoring of, of the people who came before honoring the structure, working hard to blend improvements with what was already there. So that, you know, kind of on a lot of the houses that they worked on, their goal was to make it look like no work had been done. Uh, and like, I thought that was great too. Cause like, you know, like, you know, if that's when I think I've done my best work in software is when no one can realize that I like, I was there, you can't see the seams between the stuff that I added and the stuff that was already there. Like, you know, it's, it all blends in together. And so I commented, Andrea, I'm like, I want to do that. And at first she was confused. She thought I wanted to move to Boston and remodel houses. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like what they're doing for houses, I want to do for software. Uh, but no one will let me do it. And and no one has let me do it on past projects. And so then I, like, I reflected back on, like, we, we kind of looked at my resume and like every single job I'd been at, when I first got there, I was told, um, here's a bunch of stuff. Here's a bunch of bugs to work on. So you can get familiar with the project. Yep. So go, go fix all these books. And that was fun. That's awesome. And, and so, but, but, but then it, it, it shifted to, okay, now you know enough about the system. You have to go build features. And like, that wasn't fun anymore. And so I would leave. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So that's, that's amazing. So so like how, oh my God. Um, all right. So, so you started Corgibytes um, and you, like, how would you get customers? Cause, cause innately what you're right. describing in terms of what you do and what you like the, the value you bring in terms of like picking up where someone else left off and, and moving on. I, I can't tell you how many times, even when I was like, even just through my friends, cause they knew I'm a developer. They're like, Hey, I have this project, the developer, I can't find anymore. I need some right. help. Right. And so that seems like like the the total addressable market for what you're offering is massive. So how did you go about finding your first paid customer? What was the value proposition initially? Yeah, so we experimented with a lot of different stuff. Um, you know, Andrea's background being uh, in marketing and business and uh, copywriting, and um, and she had built a successful. Um, business, like really kind of leaning into content marketing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she really encouraged me to, to start writing, uh, you know, about, you know, about my approach. She started writing, uh, about it as well. And we kind of experimented with like different pitches. And, and at first we thought that I might be the only crazy person out there, right? Like I, you know, and, and so we didn't really imagine the business scaling kind of beyond me. You know, and just like, you know, I would just be someone who come in and does the work and then goes away. So um, I kid you not, our first uh, pitch on the website was, we'll un-F your project. Uh, and it was okay. F star star K. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it PG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because I had had a manager at a previous company describe, you know, me that way. It's like, oh, well, we'll put Scott on your project and, and you know all the problems will go away. Yep. Uh, 
And so like we led with that. And then we were members of a, um, a co-working space that wasn't an incubator per se, but it had the, the person that ran it had a really, really strong focus on community development and on making sure that people who were members of the co-working community got to know each other. Uh, so there were a lot of events. There was even a daily event called tea time, which was like at three o'clock, everybody sat down and, and got some tea uh, and, and then chatted in a circle for like 15 minutes. And it was just a way to, you know, get to know the other, the other people who are either working in larger businesses and they're just kind of parked there, or there were a lot of people who were starting their own thing as well. Uh, so being able to commiserate with people about like, my client hasn't paid me, what do I do? Or how do I find a lawyer? You know, how do I find an accountant? Uh, and so we found a lot of clients through that network. Uh, and that was, it was really to start, it was really word of mouth. And I, I also attended a lot of meetups, uh, in my local area. I'm in, I'm based in the Richmond, Virginia area. Uh, so I was attending a lot of software development meetups and gave a few presentations and got to be known as someone who like, you know, really cares about kind of the craft of software and, and making improvements. And, and so there were projects that would come up from time to time and that I would get, get pulled in on. Um, and, and do these projects like, at the, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, so, you know, you've been doing this now for over a decade, right? 15 years, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, so, or 14 years, 14 going on 15, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, the, do the projects that you've done over that duration, right? COVID in between, have they changed me? Do they have a finite start, finite end? Or do you kind of, are you always kind of lingering in the background for, for things? How does that work? It has varied drastically from client to client. And that has made running the business really challenging. Um, and predictability has probably been one of our biggest challenges of you know, the work that we've got, not really knowing when it's going to stop. So really having to maintain a really healthy pipeline. Um, but then it being difficult to tell the people in the pipeline when we can start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, cause, cause we don't have, we don't often have a good sense of when you, we're in the business of making things better and there's no end to that. Right. That's, like that's, things, exactly, that's where I'm going with this. Things, exactly. things can always be better. So we, we work really hard to make sure our customers in the driving seat mm-hmm. of whether or not we've reached good enough. When, when have we hit diminishing returns, right? When, it, when, does it, when does it no longer make sense to keep us around because of you know, our hourly rate or, or what they're getting out of it? Um, we, have, we have some customers who've been with us for like nine years, right? Uh, and we just do a little bit for them every month. And we have others where it was like you know, three people full time, but that lasted for like six months. Right. And, and so the, there's a lot of, a lot of variation in between those two, the, those two, you know, ends of the spectrum. That, so, so actually you answered the question, part of my question. So like you have some customers, you mentioned, you know, you, you come in and you unf things, which is awesome. <laughs> right. But at some point in time, using the, this whole old house analogy, right. That the project, the remodel is basically going to be done. Whatever you mm-hmm. originally hired to do is going to be right. done. The, the, the problem is solved. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I'm sure that, that they've found like the, anybody that you've done that for, I'm just speculating, but I'm guessing that they're like, you're their security blanket. Like they, when you go off into the ether, you're done with that initial project. They're going to do various things to F it up again. I suspect. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, li- likely. And, and you have to and, come and, back but, in. Know, and, um, and, you know, e- e- even though we we do try to you know provide coaching along the way to like you know you know keep people from getting back in that spot, it happens. Yeah, and and we have had some customers come back to us. Um, we've had people come to us in the sales discussion, and then we've looked at what they've got, and we're like, "You don't have a big enough a mess. You can't. You you don't have a big enough mess. You can't afford us." Yeah. Right. Like, go make a bigger mess, and let's talk in a year or two. Yep. Uh, and they've come back, and, and they're like, "We we made a bigger mess." And how do you and, how do you and, know? And it's a profitable like, mess, right? It's a profitable yeah. mess. Like like uh, they've built a business out of that mess, and yep. like, and that's the like that's the thing we try to help them celebrate is like, congratulations, you have a mess that's worth cleaning up, right? Like you you validated this, and like people are willing to pay for it, and now you're wanting to invest in making it even better, but you've got to clean up some of the some of the you know the cruft that's accumulated along the way. And, so you, so you're kind of talking about now qualifying, right? So like you, the way you qualify your prospects, your clients and whatnot, how do you like, what is your threshold for Corgi Bytes on this is profitable for Corgi Bytes or not? Like, is there a lines, number of lines of code? Like you mentioned the mess, right? Like, how do you quantify hmm. the size of the mess that makes it worthwhile, both for you and your client? Yeah. So historically, what we've had the most success with is starting with some kind of assessment that we deliver. And, you know, we've got assessments of varying sizes. So there's like, you know, a pretty, pretty light assessment that, that weighs in way, you know, way cheaper than or like a really in-depth deep assessment. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of evaluating, like, can the customer afford the assessment? Right. Like that, that's a big qualifier is, you know, because if they're not if they're not able to afford the assessment, they're not going to afford the project. They're not going to be able to afford to have us help with anything. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we all we end up delivering is an assessment because um, we 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 include recommendations and our goal is that what we're delivering can be used by another firm. Like we we do not want to you know be delivering advice that only we can perform because to me that's just yeah I don't think that's ethical right like that 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 doesn't drive with my ethical compass. I want to make sure yeah, that yeah. I'm delivering something that, that has durable value. Absolutely. Um, so sometimes, you know, we're in that assessment, we deliver recommendations and then the, the, you know, if there's an existing software team, they'll look at those recommendations and they'll say, okay, we've got this, or, um, you know, we have a relationship with another vendor who we think we can help, who can help us yeah, with this we'll shop or, around mm-hmm, or, yeah, we want you to help with this. And and yeah. so that's kind of like, that's been a big part of it is it's a way for us to kind of do some of that qualification where we can kind of see like, okay, what's needed? Because one of the challenges with uh, with the work that we do, it you know, it's very similar, like kind of going back to the metaphor of, of a physical structure, you don't know what's behind the walls, right? Yeah. Like you don't, you know- You know how big there, the project is. Until you, yeah, you don't, you don't- um, you don't know where the scary things are because you haven't had a chance to like poke in and look around. Like you really need to poke in and look around to really get a sense of even be able to tell the customer what kind of pricing ballpark they're in. Like, do they, you know, are they looking at like a $10,000 engagement or a hundred thousand dollar engagement? Like, you know, or $10,000 engagement, like, you know, not even knowing what order of magnitude spend they're going to be looking at, uh, you know, based on initial conversations, uh, it is really hard. So that, that's, that assessment really helps with that. You know, it kind of helps us get a sense of, you know, what problems they have. And we've also used that assessment to figure out 
do we do we want to work with them i like that yeah yeah absolutely yeah because during the assessment if they're just gonna be a pain in the butt client then you want to get out as fast as you can yeah yeah and and try to do so respectfully um but you know we have had uh we've had at least two customers where after delivering the assessment we did not offer to continue working with them uh they asked and we told them we weren't able to help uh you know we so, so uh, that brings me to like, so how do you find like prospects? Like what is your go-to-market strategy? How are you, what, you know, is it marketing? You mentioned um, your partner in both professionally and personally yeah. is content content writer, right? So is, is there a more like, do you like lean on marketing? Is it like, what's your, is it referrals? Do you have a, a, a alliances and partnerships? Like how do, how do you find your, your next your next month's projects and things yeah. like that. Word of mouth has been the biggest driver. Um, and that's been largely driven by uh, my personal network and Andrea's personal network. And the effort that we've put into nurturing that network and the work that we've done uh, around content. So, you know, content marketing, uh, it, you know, is, is a big factor. Uh, and then also going to conferences and speaking at conferences when we can, and then networking at the event. And, you know, it's, it's often that we'll leave an event, uh, either as an attendee or as a speaker with, you know, three or four leads. And, um, and, and so like, that's probably the most successful, um, strategy that, that we've been able to use is to go and go to an event, get to know people. Um, and you know, the, I didn't know anything about sales before working with Andrea. So like, I'll just put that out there. So if I sound smart, it's, it's not because I'm smart. It's because she taught me well. Uh, (laughs) so, uh, you know, the, the, the approach that we take is, is to try to be helpful. So like, listen to the problem that somebody has and then offer helpful advice. And sometimes that's, not working with us. Right. Um, but kind of hopeful that through that word of mouth, like that will kind of ripple out, you know, where one of those people that we were helpful to ended up not working with us will mention us to somebody else, or, uh, they'll hear of somebody with a problem. So we, we try to like leave everybody with a, like, um, like with a nugget of like, you know, kind of a catchphrase, like if you, you know, and, and one of the, one of the ones we use often is like, if you ever hear somebody say they're afraid to, they're afraid to make a change to something or mm-hmm. like, you know, that they've got a nightmare on their hands or that things are taking way too long to build than they used to be, you know, then like, that's a cue. We try to leave that as a cue for people. Like, yeah. you know, if you hear somebody say this, think of us. Yep. Uh, so, you know, kind of trying to have those kind of phrases in, in our pocket, like similar to an elevator pitch, okay. but you know, it, it's more of like, it, it's it's like a hook of like if you hear somebody say this then then think of us and then that's through just the the referral network that basically yeah. you've built right um so you've yeah. kind of trained everybody on how to almost pre-qualify for you <laughs> right 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 um yeah so yeah, then, and, but then what, and, i'm sorry go, go on no, no I, like, I okay i sorry yeah yeah go ahead like your turn, your turn. Make it okay happen. uh so i was gonna say like we've experimented with lots of other approaches like we've um you know, we've tried email marketing campaigns. We've tried LinkedIn marketing campaigns where like we've hired a company that like, you know, had people who were sending out emails on our behalf and, and hitting up people on LinkedIn on our behalf. And 
uh, you know, I feel like we got no return on that investment. And, and I think part of that might be that, you know, our, our customers are largely other companies that develop software and, um, if, if my experience as having like CTO on my LinkedIn profile is any at all, in any way at all, similar to other people who have CTO on their LinkedIn profile, I get bombarded with emails saying that like, you know, we've got a, we've got a software firm that has people who could help you. Oh, I, I get maybe is, I six get or also. seven of those a day. Oh my like, gosh. At least. Yes. And, and those are the ones that are getting through the spam filter. Right. So like, who knows how many are actually hitting me? Yep. Um, so like, I think just the, the, the noise that you have to, that you have to sift, sift through and like, you totally. know, how do we tell our pitch in a way that's like different and unique? Because I think on the surface, we just look like a regular staff augmentation company, um, you know, because that's the business model. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we are delivering this like expertise. So, and, you know, it's, yeah. And from the approach, I mean, what you described, I, I looked at the website as well. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, you can have lip service, right? Like everybody can have lip service. The content marketing on the page can say whatever it says, Right. And, it kind of, and unfortunately, it does get kind of thrown in, as you described, when you get six, seven emails a day, everybody will have their lips, their kind of verbiage that, you know, in some cases they try to be unique, but it's like you're having this conversation with you. It drives that point home way more than reading it on your webpage. Like hmm. it comes across on your webpage. I can tell you, like from firsthand, okay. like, oh, it's interesting, right? That Thanks respect, for the feedback. <laughs> that respect for, you know, like in terms of, what you guys value, it definitely comes across on the page, but there's a little bit of just kind of skepticism for me. It's like, all right, are they really like, is that where yeah. it's actually coming from? Like, where's the, where's the spirit behind the words that are on the page? And mm -hmm. honestly, like, until I had this conversation with you, it was, it was just that it was words on a page. It was like, all right, yeah. this is their kind of their positioning and their value proposition. But then when, when I, speak to you and hear it directly from you like that respect right that that value for kind of where where they're starting from and what they're trying to get to mm -hmm. is so different than what other you know, traditional staff og where they're just like yeah. let me throw hours at it let me throw people at it and bill you on a you know p times q and that's what you have to pay at the end of the month and, and i think i think something that like it's it's challenging to condense um it, it's challenging to condense all of that into like a tweet sized yeah. blurb, right? Like you, when you, when you compress, you, you there's information loss. Right. And, um, and so to be like, to make something concise, it's, it's hard to include that additional context. Yeah. So I, I can see how the, so, so the, yeah, the, the, the network that you've built and are building, I think is, is huge. It's a great approach especially when you have a quality product and or service, like it's around the quality and, and the value. It's not just a transaction for you. It's more just, yeah. um, it's the, it's a service, the, the passion that you bring with it, I think comes through when, when someone speaks to you, I can see that. <laughs> um, the, uh, so the question for you, I mean, I, I, I think like if for, for 10 leads that you get of the ones that you've, qualified that are legit they have you know they have a big enough mess that you need to solve for and help with they have budget um how good are you 
and you know, your service, I suspect compared to what they're already other looking at, like out of 10 or let's say hundred deals, like, can you share, like how, you know, do you feel that your, your win ratio is pretty solid or, or are you trying to actively increase that win ratio? Mm-hmm. Like what, when, what techniques are you using? If anything you can share that, let's say yeah. even, even that you use to date, let's say it was 10% before, and then you, you made one change and now you're at 20 or whatever, whatever the ratio might be. Is there any kind of anecdotes that you can share? Yeah. So I would say like, you know, um, prior to a year ago, we were doing really, I thought we were doing pretty well. Uh, and whereas, you know, I think the economy, like we started seeing it in in June of last year Mm -hmm. and we thought it was just our normal summer slump, uh, because historically every year we saw lack of interest in the summer, it was harder to get leads. It was harder to get meetings on the calendar. Um, you, when we put proposals in front of people, it was harder to get responses. Like every phase of the funnel <laughs> yeah. was, was difficult. It was difficult to kind of like, you know, move, you know, we use pipe drive. So it's like, you know, moving those cars to the next lane yep. Yep. <laughs> through the funnel was like just harder and harder. Things just like really slogged up, but then come fall, come September, you know, things usually opened up and, and picked up and, um, so we saw a slump in June and, uh, we wanted to make sure that we were able to kind of, you know, have capacity to fulfill come September. And so we kept some people on who we otherwise would have like go, like yeah. if we hadn't been expecting that, um, that there'd be an uptick. And then we like, we have a product that we're trying to, to get off the ground that we've been bootstrapping. And so we like took that development talent and redirected those people to that, to that product. So when you're really kind of investing in, um, investing in that, and then we had some internal operations, things that we wanted to shore up. And so, you know, some tools that we built for ourselves. And so, you know, try and, you know, use that, you know, uh, use that time to remodel yourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which we're not so great at all the time. Like the shoemakers <laughs> kids kind of, kind of dilemma. Um, but September came around and still crickets and then October came around and still crickets. And oh, so man. when November hit, we we're like, you know, we ended up having to let those people go. Uh, and you know, every month has been like, you know, is this the month that comes back? Is this the month that comes back? And it hasn't come back. Still, so we're even, about, now. even now we're about half the size we were, uh, in, in, uh, you know, November of last year before November of last year. Uh, and what do you so, think that is? I, I think it's a combination of factors, uh, and, and I don't, you know, not being an economist, I don't, I don't know how to evaluate which one is the, is the most significant, mm-hmm. but I think the, you know, Silicon Valley bank, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, small, small size bank scare, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think that shook the economy in general, yeah. it hurt the software industry, especially because of how many venture capitalists had funds at yeah. Silicon Valley bank and how many of the companies that they were investing in had their accounts at Silicon Valley bank yep. to make it easy to do transfers. Right. Like it was like, you know, put your, you know, make your operating account in the bank that yep. I've got my money in so I can, I can transfer stuff to you. Yeah. yeah within, within days, within a minute, within minutes. Within minutes and for like no fee, right? Like yeah. you transfer, you know, usually within a bank, you can transfer one, from one account to another without having to do a, an expensive yep. wire. Yep. So makes sense, right? Uh, but you had this like this cluster in the software industry 
of organizations that were all really dependent on that one bank. And so like that was a giant earthquake through the software ecosystem. Mm. And I think the effects of that are still being felt. And so yeah. I think, I think that's a big one. And then, uh, inflation in general. Um, yeah. uh, so, you know, things getting more expensive for our, for our clients, um, things getting more expensive for our staff. We're trying to raise our rates, like everything else is getting more expensive. So, yeah. you know, I think that was a little bit, a little bit of negative pressure on, on things. Um, but, but, but things are still a mess. So where do you suspect when I say the messes are still, still there? Mess, yeah. The right? messes, the, the are, messes still are still there and, and they they're just, likely accumulating and getting worse. And, and so, so, yeah. So are they just my, not doing anything about them? It's kind of like, you know, yeah. the, the neighbor's I mean, house that's not being mowed, their lawn's not being mowed. They're just letting the weeds grow basically. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they've waited this long. What's another month? What's another six months? Right. Like, and so I think like th there are some mm -hmm. organizations that come to us after like not having done any maintenance for like five years or 10 years. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, putting things off another six months, another quarter, you know, like it, you know, in, in waiting to see like, you know, will we, will we still be able to afford it six At months from time. now? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like, yeah, I, I can see the wisdom in that. Right. Like that makes, that makes sense That's to me. Fair. That's fair. Um, so, so I think, you know, that, that ends up kind of driving, you know, some of the, some of the decisions and, and then there were massive layoffs to the tech industry. Yes. And so you had a lot of talent hit the market. And so I think you have organizations who are looking at like, you know, like, well, we have this mess on our hands. We could hire somebody to clean it up. Right. Like I was a full-time employee or we could, you know, contract it out and Hey, this person worked at Google <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because they were laid off from Google. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so it's like, you know, it's like, well, go with them. So you have, so like that, that yeah. talent was a big factor as well. And then interest rates and then a war in Europe. And, and so I think it's just like, and then like, it feels like a recession, but it's not technically yeah, a recession. Really and then like, there's that too. So I think there are a lot of organizations that are like, you know, trying to be really cautious with making sure that like the cash they have on hand is going to stretch them through, through a potential crisis. And so they're just not as willing to spend. So are you looking as, as you look at the landscape and kind of, as you're trying to buy time, cause this is only a matter of time before it all comes back, I think. I, yeah, right? exactly. And, and, um, and, and so I, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to weather the storm. We're really trying to like, um, you know, buckle down. I know there are still companies out there that, that would benefit from our services and I know we can find them. It's just, it's a lot harder now than it ever used to be. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, trying to attend way more events than we have in the past. Um, that's trying to make sure ask. that like, even though we've, even though we've made significant cuts that, you know, those cuts aren't going to affect our ability to, to respond when, when things pick back up. So trying to look at like operational processes and like, cause, cause so like, we're going to run into a challenge once things turn around where our sales pipeline isn't going to be our issue. Our talent pipeline is going to be our yeah. issue. Right. Yeah, like yeah. we're quickly going to pivot to a different kind of sales, right? <laughs> we're going to well, be, that's what I was going to ask. We're going to be so selling like, ourselves to, to people to come work with us. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the one pivot, right. In terms of like yeah. focusing on fulfillment of the, the, the personnel or the resources to be able to deliver on whatever you've sold is one thing, but, but even the, even the selling motion that you had before with the network and all of that, that was working for you, mm -hmm. are you exploring to, to be able to, well, to pivot, are you, are you, in, in other I, ways? I would say prior to 
like we had a good like two years where almost all of our leads were inbound like nice That's um awesome. so wow. and i i think be, you know and i think that really just speaks to the the power of the word of mark the word of mouth marketing and then yes. the content marketing that we had and just like the the quality that we built up in the the content that we had and our content mm-hmm. engine has really dried up and we're trying to we're trying to get that unstuck uh like if you go look at our blog like you know, we haven't put anything out in 2023. I don't think, I don't think we had like maybe one, maybe two posts in 2023. I think that's not so great. Right. Like yeah. we were putting out something like, you know, every two weeks, you know, we've kept the podcast alive. The podcast is regularly every other week. Yep. Um, but the, you know, the, the blog it has, has not been there. Um, we also had like, you know, we had some successful partnerships with, uh, other prominent industry publications, uh, Andrea, um, helped uh with an article and first round review and that went viral for us and you know we still get we still get inbound leads based off of that article and i think it came out and came out in like 2017 2018 something like that and we're still getting leads from it huge that's yeah not nearly as many as we used to but like they still come in still something happening Uh, so i think you know the we were having so much success with just just inbound like we like servicing the inbound leads we were getting was enough to keep us fed yeah. enough to keep us growing at the rate that we were comfortable growing. And, you know, like we're not looking to be a hockey stick company, right? Like we're not, we're not looking to scale up to be hundreds of thousands of employees. Like, you know, we're just like slow, slow, steady growth has kind of been our goal. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we had the, uh, we had the tagline for, for one of our strategic goals for, uh, I think it was like 2020, but yeah, our goal for 2020 was measured growth. So like we want, and it was intentionally a double entendre because it was like, we're going to measure our growth and we want our growth to be intentional Yeah, deliberate. and deliberate. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were looking to, you know, so we kind of had a goal for how much we wanted to grow by. And it was like, you know, like 20%, like it wasn't like a huge, huge, uh, huge problem. Uh, we brought on a new salesperson to, to help. She was plugged in to, uh, to networks in the startup community. Um, we got her on board late February, 2020. And then, you know, you know how this rest of the story oh, yeah. goes. Oh man. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear you still around. Um, yeah. it's, it's, so as you look kind of going forward though, I understand there's still some troubled waters you're still trying to navigate, but, yeah. but like, are, what, what, what do you, what brings you hope? Like, what are you excited about for the next six, nine, 12 months for Corgi Bites? I am really excited about you know, just continuing to fulfill on our mission and, and continuing, continuing to do the, the good work that we've been doing. I'm cautiously hopeful about how we can incorporate AI into the services that we, that we provide mm-hmm. to make us more efficient and more appealing uh because we're not cheap so you know if we can move faster then you know that can be a way that we can differentiate ourselves there's some risk there that the tools um could be just as good as doing as doing what we do as 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 we are so trying so we're trying to really kind of lean in and embrace uh those new technologies as they come out try to stay aware of them use them ourselves and try to figure out like what are the nuances and so like i think you know that's some of the content that we're going to start start cranking out once we get our content engine back up and running Mm -hmm. is you know what are the gotchas 
for for using some of these uh you know these generative models uh for software development for you know kind of cleaning up code cleaning yeah. up messes because they're like there are some uh there are some tools that can, that can be really powerful for that absolutely and, but i think your approach i mean my two cents is your approach to what like specifically your approach corgi bytes in terms of the respect for existing code and all of that provides you potentially with a unique value proposition with the AI because then someone else is going to come in and kind of rip and replace. Right. right. And so, or build from scratch using the same tools, right. which may be okay. But if there's like, if there's some value proposition, because the thing is like, everybody's played with it. I've played with it. it does, it's not a silver bullet. Like it, no, it's it, not, it's not, it, it, it requires very deliberate and, and very componentized or very pointed um, tasks like, mm-hmm. like, at, you know, it, it, it's great for, for example, you know, th- what I'm probably going to use for this is like, all right, you know, help me tailor the LinkedIn post for our podcast. Right. And take right. the transcript and stick it in. Like it's, it's good for that. Yeah. But even then, if I want to tweak something and I ask it to tweak it, to accommodate something, it doesn't, it's horrendous. Yeah. It's pretty bad. <laughs> that, right. So, yeah. so it's good for like the first draft of, of yeah. a copy. Um, exactly. Then second, third, fourth, final draft. You can't use it for that. For that, at least that's my experience, my personal experience. Um, yeah. So you know that's that's something that we're we're kind of hopeful for. Um, a challenge that we've had with a lot of organizations that we wanted to work with is you know in order in order to clean things up safely, you need a really good testing strategy in place mm-hmm. because you need to know whether or not you've broken anything in the process. Definitely. And testing is often an area that a lot of teams neglect. So we've, you know, part of every engagement has been this huge effort to try to remediate the testing landscape at, you know, w- within the project. So trying to get some automated tests in place to, to really help drive the effort. And that has been a huge cost. And I think that's like, that's turned away a lot of potential customers um, who I think have honestly gone and just, taking a look at that price tag and just decided to build from scratch. Uh, and, and hopefully when they built from scratch, they're building tests as they go. So they don't just yeah. repeat, the, repeat the problem. Right. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, that there's an opportunity to kind of use some of the AI to kind of like establish that safety net pretty quickly. Uh, and then I think that would help unlock the doors for us to be able to come in and safely help. Uh, like and, and so, and so that's, and that's scalable. You know, that's that, that exactly. that's a scalable way to use the AI. That's right. And, actually and it's something that's like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been a, uh, an impediment. It's been a blocker for, you know, us being able to get some clients in the past. And so, you know, I'm hoping that we can, you know, turn that into, you know, an opportunity to, to kind of, you know, tear down one of those objections. That's a great use uh, case for it. Um, thank you. Thank you, Scott, for taking the time to, to talk with me. Is there anything that, that you'd like to share that I didn't line a question, line of the discussion that went down that you'd want everyone to know that's listening in, either about yourself or Corgi Bites <laughs> or anything? Yeah, I, top I, of mind. I think, yeah, I think, you know, just one other thing that, that I um, was mentioning earlier is, or I was, I, was, I was going to mention, so like, you know, kind of one of the ways that we're trying to adapt to the, the current marketplace is really looking at lower cost ways to engage with us uh where you know kind of historically you know projects that we've we've been on have been at you know pretty pretty high dollar spend per month yeah and so we've been trying to look at you know how can we be helpful 
at lower dollar amounts, lower monthly expenditure amounts. And so, you know, we've been looking more at like, you know, providing some coaching services and, you know, uh, you know, just meeting with the CTO like once a month and providing, providing some advice and some, some feedback. Uh, so that's something we've opened up and like, that could lead to more work, right? Yeah. Like that it's establishing a relationship. And so like trying to find ways for people to get to know us and know what's unique about us, but without having them to spend a lot of money to do it. And so that's something that we're, we're really trying to look at is what are some low risk ways that someone can engage with us? And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does, it could be awesome, right? So yeah, absolutely. That's, that's I, something I, else we've been experimenting. I wish you the best. I think that's a great strategy, actually. I mean, it kind of builds on your networking approach, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but providing services that are smaller package just to kind of get your foot in the door. The whole land and expand strategy. Yeah. Um, it kind of drives towards that, but. But in any case, thank you so much, Scott, for your time. I took you way longer than I originally promised. Oh, so thank you for no sticking worries. around longer. Um, oh, yeah, we did. And, and for everyone listening in, thank you guys no for listening. Um, until next time, take care. All right. Bye. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 